Welcome back, everyone, to the Debate Without Debate podcast to another episode. It's a new week. I'm very excited for this conversation. Today, we are joined by Keisha Brewer. Uh, She had a fantastic TED Talk that I had the pleasure of listening to, seeing very much transformed how I viewed communication. She also works in PR with the PR Alliance. Keisha, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for giving us your time for this conversation. Sure, absolutely. Happy to be here. Great. So for anyone who doesn't know you already, I know I mentioned two quick things about you. Could you give a little bit of a background to yourself, a little overview as to who you are? Yeah, sure. So um, as you mentioned, I'm Keisha Brewer, and you kind of talked to both of my, I guess, lives. So I am the CEO of the PR Alliance LLC. We assist brands and companies and businesses um, with getting exposure and also helping engage with their audience just a little better. Um, So that's everything from figuring out who your audience is to figuring out what it is that you need to be doing in order to be compelling and and, um, interesting to your audience, right? Um, So that's that side. And then on the other side, which I have um, become a little more passionate about recently, is the strategic communications part of things. And I am really passionate about teaching people how to use these same communication skills that I have in business, um, you know, for the past seven years, I've been from news writing and reporting um, to advertising, but using these same uh, techniques, these same tactics in the business lane that I'm using in the personal lane, picked up working from Fortune 500 companies, working for my own company. Um, I have literally been able to apply it to my personal life and it's called strategic communications. And it sounds so corporate, but really it is It is very at the baseline, simple. And I want to help people apply that to their personal lives to ultimately succeed and, and, and uh, achieve success in any area that they're looking to do that. Absolutely. I know I've found a lot of impact from that speech. So I, I do want to start there to kick things off. It was a very insightful speech. And for me, I mean, I I know when I was emailing you, I even mentioned that I I tried to incorporate that in my own emailing tactics, which, by the way, as a testament to to what you said and implementing it, I've had probably a 200 percent increase in response rates as a result of it. Um, So I'd love if you could just touch on how you decided to talk about this topic for your TED talk and what that process kind of was like. Yeah. Um, how I started wanting to talk about this was, is that the, the first question? How I yeah. To start? yeah. So it was something that I realized just even, and not even in the business area, more so in the personal area that I realized in my life that I was just able to achieve greater success when it came to being able to uh, avoid conflicts with people or while I'm within conflict, being able to navigate through that space and being in a position at the end where both parties feel like they were heard, feel like they achieved success at the end of the conversation. And a lot of times through the most difficult situations, you know, in relationships, um, you know, whether that be with a spouse or whether that be with a friend, a family member, those were actually the areas I realized I achieve much more success than people tend to. And I wanted to figure out and digest what exactly was that? Like, what am I doing that's making this so different? And what I realized after I sat there and digested it was that I am literally taking what I've learned in my business life and applying it to my personal life. Really like, you know, you know, you, you listened to the Ted talk and you were there. So 
you know, kind of the steps that I took them through when it comes to even starting off with knowing who your audience is. And we hear this in corporate America all the time. We hear this in branding. We hear this in business. And they're like, know your target audience, right? Knowing your target audience is a And if I'm thinking about that in business saying, hey, who's my audience? Who am I talking to in business? I should be thinking about that in personal. Hey, if we're going through a conflict or or if I'm trying to navigate in, in, in some type of conversation with you, I should know a little bit about you to be able to navigate is everyone is different. And, And that's why they say, you know, know your target audience, because ultimately, if you speak as if you're talking to everyone you're honestly going to be talking to no one. Mm. And so um, I just, I took that tactic and I said, hey, I want to teach people that this thought of strategic communication is not just applied in your business life. It's applying to your personal life. That just became a passion for me. Amazing. Uh, so so I'm sure the whole audience is, is super, super sold on your idea of strategic communication, though, I think a huge thing is execution. Strategic communication seems like a great idea at first, but a lot of people um, probably don't know how to implement it into their day-to-day lives. Do you have any tips for people who want to implement strategic communication to boost their life success? Yeah, my first thing, and I, I started talking about this recently because you know, as I'm going on this journey talking about it, I'm dissecting it even more. And so my first thing if you aren't able to, you know, immediately grasp all the steps that I talk about in my TED Talks, right? Like all one through five of things you should be doing. The first thing that I really challenge you to do is use words that work. And that's what I've been calling them. And so sometimes what we really don't realize is that in the midst of having conversations with people, there are words that we can change out really fast that actually changes the entire narrative of a conversation, right? And so um, just by, for example, just by saying, you know, I'm bored or I'm looking for something to do, just those different changes changes the entire narrative. Saying that I'm bored is kind of like a dramatic sense of just saying, I'm looking for something to do. So it's figuring out what is it that is triggering in the words that are triggering in your conversation or in your uh, phrases that could change the narrative of what you're saying. So even uh, it's, it's easier to do when you're typing and I guess a little harder to do when you're talking because when you're talking, things are just coming out organically, right? When you're typing and you're sending an email, you can literally reread and say, okay, is that the message I wanna send? Or is by taking certain words and plugging different words in, going to change the entire narrative. And I think that's really important, just choosing your words carefully. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting how you note that sort of like glass half full versus glass half empty sort of rhetoric. Uh, I'm interested, how do you you think uh, strategic communication influences your psychology, the way that you think? Yeah, you know, I'm glad you asked this question because one of my, I guess, next task or to-dos is to really get into the psychology part of this. And so I I don't have a background in psychology, but I think the one thing that intrigues me about this in in total is that there is a psychology to it. And psychology part of it starts with understanding how people react or respond to the things that you say based on their background, number one, or their experiences, number two. And so when you when you look at that and when you realize that, you're saying, okay, 
based on their background and their experiences, how do they perceive information? And if I'm talking to them with the understanding of how they perceive information, I will understand that strategically, I need to use different words. Strategically, I may say things that may be a little more or a little Right. And so that is the psychology behind it is understanding people and what you need to say specifically to that group or that type of person because of their background and experience. I think that's incredibly well put. Uh, I think we're noticing this more and more now as kind of communication opens up uh, that the way that we speak, especially to the particular groups we're trying to, it can it has to vary. You can't just do a lump sum approach. And one thing that I found really essential to your speech that I wonder if you could touch to this more or talk about this more is the empathy necessary in that, really putting yourself in the shoes of other people. How do you how do you go about doing that? Yeah, I think it's funny because even do this PR, my first thing is why would they care, right? Before you speak, it's almost like what about what I'm about to say? is actually either going to be a resonating factor or something that they're going to actually care about. If you realize at some point, you know, I'm speaking and they may not even care, this is a re- this is a way that you can say, maybe I need to be adding in more of a resonating factor into what I'm about to say, or this is not the conversation for them, right? And so I, the empathy part of it is saying, you know, I care about this person's time. I want to care about or speak about what this person cares about. And if I'm not doing that, how do I do it better? Or how do I just retract and pull and hold on to this conversation for someone else who would care? Definitely. I I totally agree with that sentiment. Moving to a little bit of the difficulties, I guess, in terms of strategic communication. What are some of the things that you think people misunderstand when they go about communicating their ideas? Are there any common hurdles that people, you know, fall to? Yeah. Timing. Um, and so, you know, even with all of these things said, and, and I do, I want to do another TEDx talk on, on this, even with all of these things said, if it's the wrong timing, your message is not getting through. I think I said this um, a couple of weeks ago to a friend, the right message at the wrong time is still the wrong message. And and that is at least to the person that you're speaking to, because if they're not ready to receive what you're going to say, if this is a bad timing for them, whether you said it well, whether you went through all four steps or not, whether you were right, it will be the wrong message. And so I think when we're, when we're talking about strategic communications, a part of that is understanding what's the right time. To push back a little bit, I think many people, especially our listeners who tend to be younger people, fall prey to the notion that there has to be a right time. And so they wait and wait and mm, wait. Most definitely. So how, how can we go about doing that balancing act? Because for some people that, you know, that hard conversation is one that there might never feel like there's a good time. Yeah. Um, so how do you go about the balancing act, I guess, is the, is the yeah. question. I think um, you're right. I think a lot of times people let uh, what I used to say, perfection get in the way of progress, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're looking for this perfect time, and then, but they're never progressing. And I think that that's something that's very challenging when it comes to communications or anything in general. 
what I would say is maybe there isn't a perfect time, but there is certainly a wrong time. And that in itself will help you navigate, okay, a perfect time. But I do know, for example, that I probably shouldn't, you know, in the middle of my mother having the worst day at work, share with her my concerns about me and her relationship, right? So maybe there's never a perfect time, but there is a wrong time. And I think we just need to be aware of that. And in wrong times, um, normally look a little more extreme, right? So if you're in a situation where the relationship between your mom is never right, it's never right Monday through Sunday, um, you know, but Sunday she's having a particularly bad day, that's probably not the day, but maybe that Monday through Saturday, even though you guys are still a little off, might be the better. You know what I mean? So maybe it's more of um, wrong and better timing. Is there any general principles which people can apply who are listening to this podcast to help discern between the two, when it is a good time versus when it is a bad time? I know that you gave, gave a case-by-case analysis before, but yeah. is there any general principles? Yeah, I would say, uh, number one, it goes back to knowing your audience, right? Um, so for, for me, a bad day at work, I might still be able to handle another conversation, right? To Asher, a bad day at work, he may not be able to, you know, uh, ration that type of conversation at that time. I think it's about number one, knowing your audience and sitting on, what do I know about this person? If I approach this situation right now at this time with these words, what am I likely to get, right? And weighing the options. Um, And then I had a second point that I wanted to hone in. Oh, Second point, read the room. And so everyone's been saying this um, as it as it comes, but reading the room really says like, take a second, step back and look at the situation you're dealing with. And just because you want to say something right now doesn't mean that the person's ready to receive it. So reading the room is literally sitting back taking a pause, being unselfish about what you want to share and looking to see who else around you would care about that right now. Who else around you would would be uh, receptive to this and if that person would be. So it's those two things, reading the room and understanding your audience. Well said. Uh, I, both Joey and I have a background in, I guess, public speaking. Uh, and I myself did a lot of research And I did psychology when I was in high school. I did four years of psych research. One of the topics that I focused on was nonverbal communication because I think it's very essential to how we communicate. So I would love if you could speak to the importance of nonverbal communication in particular when you go about strategic communication. Absolutely. I think, you know, we talk about words so much that we forget our body language is even a part of communication, right? But we never forget it. If someone offends us with their body language, we're immediately reminded that body language plays a role. For example, if you know you walk into an interview at your job and, and the employer is sitting kind of bored, right? Like with their hand on their on their cheek, that sends an immediate message to you, like they're either uninterested, I'm doing a bad job, right? All negative things come from that because it is a form of communication. And I think it's important to step back and be aware, be cognizant of how we're coming across. And a lot of times, you know, maybe the the fist on your cheek gesture was not you being bored. It was just you listening. Maybe that's your listening stance, but it's not always about And a lot of times in communication, it's really not always about what you want to say. 
or what you think is, is okay to say. It's, it's all about the perception of the other person, right? And so we can say, you know, that's not my boredom face. That is my this face. And they should not take things so personally. You know, we do that a lot. We, they should not take things so personally. But there's a responsibility on the person who's sending the message of how that person is receiving it. And so I think that just plays the same role in body language, sitting up straight if, if you're attentive, right? Um, and, and we don't talk about this a lot, but if you want to send a negative message, right? We know how to do it when we want to send a negative one. We know how to point fingers. We know how to look bored. We know how to sigh as it roll our eyes. We know how to do that when we want to express anger, but it holds the same weight and same value when you want to show more of the positive attributes as well. Just to apply apply what you were saying to the year 2020, obviously we're living in, in a kind of crazy time right now yeah. um, with all the stuff happening with the coronavirus um, and the recent Black Lives Matter movement protests. You know, communication seems like it's key right now. In order more to, than ever. Yeah, more than ever, especially to, you know, communicate your ideas with people who are on the other side of the aisle who may not agree with you. Um, I'm curious on your end, what do you think people can do to effectively communicate and what have people been doing, which you've seen, um, which is effective in terms of communicating with others? I guess on a political and activism level. Political and activism level. Okay. Um, because I never saw myself as an activist. So I'm, I'm actually, you know, trying to find my place in, in what this means, right. And how I can help and support. Um, but when it comes to effectively communicating, I think, it's about that empathy right now. Honestly, I think empathy is almost going to be at the core of how we're all communicating with people. It's not just saying, you know, people are saying, you know, if I say Black Lives Matter and someone says all lives matter, and we're not saying that they don't, right? It's thinking for a second and saying, yes, all lives matter, but what lives need the most attention right now, right? And it's having that empathetic ear and that empathetic sound when you speak um, and, and not deflecting. I think a lot of times uh, people want to deflect and it's, it, you know, the all lives matter thing. That's a deflection of what is actually happening. The other side of, of us as African-Americans, as Blacks, um, you know, being empathetic to those who may not be of our color, who are trying to actually support this movement and saying, you know, I know that you might not understand um, what I'm going through, but I can recognize you as someone who wants to partner and help, right? And because sometimes I think, you know, if they don't look like our color, um, they'll say, you know, I'm not sure of their intentions, right? Valid thoughts, valid feelings, but I think it's us saying, hey, that person had nothing to do probably with the oppression that we're sitting in right now, right? Maybe that, the, here's the thing. I just watched a sermon of Pastor Mike Todd and he even said, you know, none of them are even alive, right? So none of them are even here to see all of this that's going on. So the people, everyone that's here is just a product of learned behaviors because those people are really even alive or here. Um, so if we understand that and saying, you know, hey, there are people who are learned, these are learned behaviors, and if they can learn it, they can unlearn it too, right? Um, so I think it's empathy on both sides that are needed at the core of how we communicate. 
I think it's a great point. Now, now more than ever, empathy and and just like you're talking about, gr- this greater recognition and self awareness is super important when we're communicating our ideas. In terms of that application online, I think that's where things get very sticky because yeah. it's easy to be a keyboard warrior, and when you don't have the face to face and you don't yeah. have things like nonverbal communication, you can't read the room in the same way, so to speak. Yeah. Are there any tricks you're you're using right now to? I guess read the room online when you're pursuing your ambitions of advertising your work or trying to have dialogues online with people that maybe you can't speak to because they don't live right next to you. Yeah. Research. Research will help you read the room, honestly. Um, And seeking out answers for yourself before you're asking questions sometimes. And then after that, not being afraid to ask questions when you haven't gotten the answers that you need, right? And so I think a part of reading the room is number one saying, you know, in this time, what can we assume that everyone is a little more saddened or angry or emotions are just heightened at this time? So we can also assume that questions will be a lot more annoying at this time, right? Uh, while people are, are are tired, quite frankly, angry and hurt. And so thing to read the room is just knowing what I know. When things are heightened, I wouldn't want to be asked the 50 million questions. Let me go do my research. And then before you go, you know, speaking on behalf of maybe people that you don't understand all the way, it's saying, hey, I've been able to do my research on X, Y, and Z. I do now have some questions. And what that tells people is that you, number one, care that there is not enough time in the day to answer everyone's questions and you cared enough to go research, right? And then number two, that you cared enough about your messaging that you wanted to ask a question before you put out anything. So I think reading the room is really about doing your own research and asking questions when it's necessary. What do you think is so effective about asking questions as opposed to just making an open statement? Yeah. Um, And I'm seeing a lot of this, just me being in entertainment PR, we're seeing a lot of celebrities that are just like throwing statements up, (laughs) um, you know, just without really taking a step back and saying, you know, what, and sometimes the questions are not even asked to others. Sometimes the questions are asked to yourself, you know, and I, I think I see some people, celebrities are just putting things up um, and they're not saying, well, or brands, corporate brands, companies are not saying, what is my base audience? Like my, I could be sharing, you know, something hurtful and not even know it because I haven't taken the time to say, what is my base audience? For example, um, I seen a post the other day where a company who's 93% of their um, customers thing that they put this since all of this happened was we support the police. And that's not a bad statement, right? Saying we support police is not a bad statement because there are a lot of great police. However, when you think of the fact that your audience is 93% African-American and the pain that they're feeling at the hands of the police, the first thing you say probably shouldn't be in favor of the people that they're protesting against, right? And so sometimes It's just um, understanding that you need to ask questions to yourself and then ask questions to your audience or the people that you're talking to. How can I help you? What does support look like for you? 
And those questions alone would probably answer some of your, or, or probably make you not put out certain information that you were going to before. If I stopped and asked myself, you know, what is my audience base? And if I was that company, let's put myself in the shoes of that company. If I sat back and I said, what is my audience base? And I figured out, oh, it's actually 93% African-American. And then I asked them, what can I do to support you at this time? And they say, you know, if we're walking down your street and protesting, giving us waters, and and maybe if police stop by, sending them a, a, a message that says, hey, Black Lives Matter, then they'll say, well, maybe I shouldn't put that post up about police so it's it literally ask yourself questions and then ask your audience questions because it'll help you make strategic moves. Absolutely. And and that self-reflection is important, not even just on a business level. I know as on a personal level, I take time each day, at least 30 minutes to just actively reflect on, on what I'm doing, whether or not I want to continue doing it. So there are a variety of applications I could see for that. One interesting note that you mentioned there is almost the tone deafness uh, that can occur during times like these. And to me, it elicits almost a bigger question of, is there tone deafness on both sides, especially now, but in the past as well? I mean, there have been criticism of uh, corporate companies for, you know, changing their logo uh, on Instagram, Facebook, wherever, to support the LGBTQ movement during Pride Month, which I believe is is either this month or last month. Um, Do you think that some of it is just virtue signaling and and is is this an example i guess of where strategic communication can be used negatively yeah i think man being tone deaf is is a big part of it um because a lot of times if you aren't in the midst of experiencing something or the people around you aren't in the midst of experiencing something you can forget that it's being experienced Um, and so it will literally put you in a position to say, I didn't even know this was going on, or I didn't even know that this was an issue or a concern. And so strategic communication to you almost flies out the window because you didn't even know there was something to be strategically, you know, considering, I guess. Um, and so I think, you know, a a lot of times, and, and I, keep bringing up the the political era we're in and in the in the black lives matter movement but you know some whites may think you know i didn't even know racism was as big as it is because they don't have to experience it daily and yes they would if i'm that person and i don't have to experience it daily i'm probably or the people around me I'm probably doing everything I would normally do. If I would normally say congrats to the police officer, I would normally say it, right? And so because you're not experiencing it, you don't know that it's happening. And I think that what has happened now is almost just giving a sense of awareness to the fact that there needs to be more communication on both ends. Saying, hey, you know, this what I'm in, this is about just honestly sharing stories. I think sometimes we tend to not share stories because we're either embarrassed by them or, or scared of, or, of them or whatever the case may be. But the more we share, the more awareness there is to both sides of any puzzle where we now are, are not tone deaf to what's going on and we can communicate more strategically when things arise. 
Agreed. I think that this dialogue is something that's been ongoing, but almost more elicited now and in a very important way. And I think we're coming to a very unique moment from what I'm seeing where these conversations are being had. I know as a family with my friends, this is what we talk about. Um, and I'm a fairly political person as is. It's part of the reason why I love DC is because we are engaging in those conversations almost all the time because that's the people who are kind of there. Um, it can get, it can feel like a lot. I, I know people who are listening to this might feel this. I know I've experienced this as well, but the most important thing that I think people can take away from, from what you just mentioned there is, is simply these dialogues can happen, but doing them in the right way and, and, and making sure that we understand each other as opposed to just yell, which is what can, it can be very easy to see that on, on the news or, or on social media. Um, I, I think that's so important to just take a step back, like you were saying, reflect on it, ask yourself the questions as opposed to just putting it out there. And it's, it's more important now than ever. So, uh, Joey, do you have any final questions before we wrap up? I actually wanted to, uh, uh, jump in on what you just said. Um, Asha. Yeah. So you mentioned like, it's important to strategically communicate instead of just yelling. Right. And, and here's the part of that. You can always um, have control over what you say and how you say it. Sometimes you can't have control over how the other person responds. There's things that you can do um, to to greater the chances of a, of a favorable response. Right. Going through the steps that I talk about on my text talk. Um, but you can't control it. And I think if you are faced with someone who is yelling, who is screaming, right? And, and maybe they haven't learned how to strategically communicate, so they don't know how to respond effectively, right? I think it goes back to that empathy. And you saying, okay, instead of taking this personally, can I understand why they're yelling and screaming, right? Can I understand why they're acting that way? And maybe I don't agree, but can I understand? And, and you know, more transparently for me, when uh, the riots started happening and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're tearing up cities everywhere. And, you know, number one, I care more about lives than I care about cities being torn down. But number two, though I didn't agree with, you know, cities being torn down. I understood it, man. And it's like, if, if it was my brother or, or my sister who died at the hands of police officers, how angry would I be? Right. Especially if I then had to be constantly reminded by the repetitive actions and what, whether I agree with how the people are responding, can I understand why they're responding that way? And I think that's a key part of it. Um, not looking and saying, I agree or I disagree. It's saying, I understand, first and foremost. Is there ever a case where yelling and anger is a form of strategic communication where it yields positive results? Uh, yeah, well, I'll say this. If you know if you want your end goal to get the other person angry, that's a strategic move. And it, but, but it really is. Sometimes, and, and I mean, I'm never for, hey, get that person angry. But if that is the response you are looking for, then you have to strategically say, how do I get that response? And it's all about matching what you're saying to the end goal. 
hey, I want this person to respond in compassion and love and understanding. So guess what I have to move in? Compassion, love, and understanding. I have to speak that way. But if your end goal is like, I want that person to get as angry as I am, well, guess what you got to do? Figure out a way that understanding your audience, what gets them that angry? If it's the yelling, if it's the screaming, that is a strategic move because you knew you wanted that to be your end goal, right? And so that's that's where it comes to uh, manipulation almost, right? And so my TEDx talk was actually called, it's not manipulation, it's strategic communication because what I was talking about was the positive end of things. Strategic communication done negatively is simply manipulation if you really think about it. So um yeah, that I think that might answer it. <laughs> that was great. I, I really liked that. Beyond just the, the theory and the application, what role do you think this needs to be playing in our education? And, and, and I say that because I know, or I think I speak for, for both of us when I say this, that communication skills are arguably the most important thing that you can have. Uh, Joey and I frequently talk that genius is almost wasted when you cannot communicate your beliefs. Yes. So how can we how can we integrate this into our upbringings uh, through whether it be education, maybe education isn't the place. I'm wondering what your two cents is on that. Yeah, education, you know, I think obviously we all have to go to school. So if we want to teach something that everyone has to learn, I think we, we do start there. Right. I think it start it starts with not making communication a major, right? Making it something that's already embedded into everyone's curriculum. And that's not to say that communication shouldn't be a major, because I think it should be if you want to get a little in depth. But I think those core fundamentals of responding to people and, and understanding how you match your goal with how you're speaking, I think those communications fundamentals should start as, as low as elementary school, honestly. Um, because in elementary school, I mean, and, and I, I'm going to go in a circle a little bit, but in elementary school, a lot of the times those kids are spending more time in the school than they are at home. And if in the home they have seen their parents who don't know how to communicate effectively, when they get angry, all they're doing is yelling. Naturally, what that child thinks is when I'm angry, I yell. And so if they have a system that's built to combat that type of that type of thought, they'll be able to go home and apply what they learned in those eight hours they're at school to those three hours that they're really at home, right? And so we will see a shift in how people are communicating because we're starting where they're spending time there the most, which is at school. And so I think that's where we start. And then I think number two is when we start at home, right? Um, so I think number one is school because you're there the most and then number two at home. Yeah, I think I think it's important to have both the the centralized and decentralized aspects. Absolutely. And I think that's also a perfect way to to round out this conversation. So I want to roll the red carpet out for you, so to speak, the virtual red carpet. Please let the people know what you have going on with your life, uh, what you're doing in the future, where they can find you. Yeah. So right now, I guess, you know, we're, we're in crazy times with coronavirus, with um, you know, all the pain that is felt in the black community with um, police brutality and, and so many other things. Um, we're just finding our pivot, like figuring out how we should be pivoting and what message we should be sending. I mean, we're just doing some almost internal strategic communications um, within our business. Um, and, and I'm excited about that. I'm excited to figure out how we can support 
support as a black owned business with this black movement, right? Um, how I can use my strategic communication skills to support black lives matter movement, right? Um, not just because I'm black, but because I cannot imagine if that was me or my family members, right? I could be white and feel the same exact pain, right? And so just figuring out how we can support in these times. Um, and then kind of honestly taking a little bit of a breather when I can, focusing on some self-care. I mean, a lot is going on um, and I've never really taken time in self-care. If nothing was myself into a hole, like I normally do self-care and some pivoting is kind of like the, the, the whole thing put together. But what I will say um, is when the time is right, because I'm reading the room, And that ebook is actually going to be structured around um, the TEDx talk that I did. And so I'm going to highlight, you know, um, Georgetown in there. I'm going to highlight all of the steps that I think are appropriate to strategically communicate. I'm going to go through the whole nine parts. So when the time is right, because I think I'm not sure that, that my audience wants to hear that specific message right now, but when the time is right, that is what I'm going to be doing. And I'm super excited to turn this into an ebook. That's fantastic. And, and I hope people do reach out to you and that they have gotten some value from this. I know Joey and I definitely did. And, and thank you so much for your time. That is all from us from the Debate Without Debate podcast for this week. We will see you all when we see you. Our information is always in the description. We'll also include Heisha's TED Talk so you can get more of that wonderful value about strategic communication. We will see you when we see you. Peace. Keisha, that was fantastic.